All right, well, listen, good morning. Welcome to church. Welcome to New Life Church this morning. If you're fairly new here, I'm Jeremy Smith, lead pastor of the church, and, and it's great to be with you today. Last week, we had such a snowpocalypse that kept us from getting out uh, last Sunday. Uh, thankful for no, uh, the, no critics for us having to cancel service. Uh, we weren't the only ones. Uh, we all fell for it, but... Um, uh, we're, all, we're all back at it today. It's good to see all of you guys here today uh, in person. I want to welcome again those of you watching and participating online. It's good to have you guys checking in with us today. Uh, listen, we're going to pick up uh, in, a, in a continuation of where we started the year off with a series that we call Moving Forward God's Way. And I'm going to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles or thumb through it on your smart devices to the book of 2 Timothy, the letter of 2 Timothy in the New Testament where we're going to find our main text today. And this is, a, this is one of the letters uh, that Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote to his spiritual son in the faith uh, that he ordained and commissioned to the call of ministry uh, to pastor and uh, to Timothy. And it was written around A.D. 66-67, which is significant because that was, about, that was uh, just shortly before... before the Apostle Paul's execution, all right? So this is a very personal letter of his, and it's probably one of his final letters that he received. Um, and, it, and, and, and so it's, it has a lot of value and significance and meaning to Timothy, but that also transfers to the church uh, today. He, he writes to really encourage Timothy uh, to, to make sure that, Timothy, you find your affirmation in the God who lives in you, that you don't seek your affirmation from people, that you don't live for it from situations when the highs are high, then you feel good, and the lows are low, you feel bad, and you kind of go through that. We all deal with that, but he's reminding Timothy, hey, I want you to find your affirmation in the God who is faithful to you, in the God who lives inside of you, Timothy. And so he writes a very personal letter to him again, one of his last ones, his final thoughts, and um, and so we're gonna we're gonna look at these first seven verses here of Second Timothy one. Let's start there at the top, verse one. You can follow along. It says, "This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I have been sent out to tell others about the life he has promised." Through faith in Christ Jesus. And I am writing to Timothy, my dear son. May, the, may God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. I titled today's message, Encouragement and Affirmation. Paul writes this letter to Timothy to encourage him to find his affirmation in the God who lives inside of him. And it's the same letter in continuation when you get to the earmark of chapter 3. That's the part where you might be familiar with where Paul reminds Timothy that in the last days it will be very dark and it will be very difficult. There will be some very difficult days that lie ahead for you, Timothy. And as you know, if he wrote it then as marking last days, you know what that means for us today so much further down the timeline. And, uh, and if there's ever a day in time where any of us need some encouragement, 
I think today in this season of life in 2022 uh, is certainly a time where we need to be encouraged and need to be reminded that we are all called and need to find our affirmation in the God who lives in us. And so he writes this personal letter and he starts out and he says, I'm called to go tell the world about Jesus. I'm called to tell a whole lot of people about the Lord. But right now I'm stopping and I'm making a personal letter and I'm going to write it to my spiritual son in the faith, Timothy. You ever gotten a call or a text, a letter, an email, um, a card, something that you know someone took their time and went kind of out of their way, stopped what they were doing to think of you and to say something to, to you meaningful, good, not bad, but good. There's plenty of negative, but plenty that can be also more positive. And someone who took their time, and how'd that make you feel? Man, it probably made you feel like you, were, you mattered. It made you feel like, wow, I'm not by myself. I, I'm not alone in this thing. I, somebody is hearing me. Somebody is seeing me. And, and encouraging me. And that's where Paul is. Paul, he, I mean, he had all the rights to say, I'm, I'm locked up, bro. I'm locked up in prison. I, I can't. Uh, I, all I can think about is trying to just get out, just trying to, trying to wait and count down. Hopefully I'm not executed. Hopefully they don't really follow through with what they're thinking about doing. And he could just get so consumed with himself. But, and, 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 but he takes the time and he writes this letter and he reminds Timothy and he's encouraging him. And he's letting them know, hey, you matter to me, and I I need to remind you of some things in my final days. And then he goes on in verse 3. Timothy, he writes, I thank God for you, Timothy, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. You can see... The, the relational context that they shared, the closeness, the bond, the unity, the heartfelt um, endearment that Paul has for Timothy. He says, man, I, I pray for you all the time and I remember you in my prayers because you mean so much to me. And then he says in verse 5, I remember your genuine faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. He's reminded as he's praying for Timothy that, Timothy, I know you've got strong faith. And I'm praying that you will continue to have strong faith. But I also want you to know, Timothy, your faith is actually also encouraging to me. The way you are, you are serving God, the way you're sticking with what God has called you to do, knowing while I'm here, where I'm at, that means so much to me. That builds me up. That encourages me also. Your faith encourages me. Anybody ever tell you that sometimes? Man, the way the, you, you just sticking with it, the way you handle that situation, the way you walk through that fire meant so much to me and built me up. And you're maybe standing there thinking, really? Because I felt like a total failure. Because I felt like, man, I was letting everybody down. Man, I felt like I didn't really have that kind of, um, wasn't giving that kind of vibe to people. And But somebody somewhere saw it, watched it, witnessed it, how you went through it and, and were able to, was able to talk to you or tell you or communicate to you that, man, that built them up. Then what does that do for you? 
it builds you up. You're like, man, maybe I'm not a total wreck. <laughs> maybe I'm not totally jacked up like I thought I was. Man, maybe I didn't make a mess out of that, out of that time of my life. You know, that's the power of God's love and the power of God's redemption. And, and Paul, letting Timothy know he matters to him so much. And he goes on, verse 6. He said, and this, right here, this is why I'm reminding you. I'm reminding you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you, Timothy, when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So, Timothy, I, I pray for you. I'm encouraged by your genuine faith. And your faith encourages me. And this is why I'm reminding you. This is why, this is why I'm sending you this letter. I'm reminding you to stir up the flame of God. To What's he say? I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift of God that is on the inside of you. It means to stir up, to rekindle the flames of the inner fire of God that's on the inside of you, Timothy. In other words, Paul's saying, Timothy, don't let the fire of God go out in your life. Don't let the fire of God be quenched. Don't let it grow cold because there are plenty of things in life that will try to put the fire, the inner fire of God out in our life. Plenty of situations, plenty of context, plenty of scenarios, plenty of, of issues and problems and setbacks and you name it. Any one of us can name some things that have been hard pressed against us that we have gone through or dealt with or dealing with right now that try to quench the inner flame, the inner fire of God on the inside of your life. And Paul's letting him know, hey, whatever happens... Whatever's going on, whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're facing, whatever trial, whatever tribulation, whatever affliction, whatever physical ailment, whatever emotional thing, whatever personal conflict you have with other people, whatever is going on, don't let that stuff put the fire of God out on the inside of you and get you down and keep you down and make you not want to move forward the way God has called you to move forward. And Paul writes to tell him that I'm reminding you, fan it into flame, stir it up, keep the fire of God fresh, don't let it grow cold, keep it ablaze, and remember that the Spirit of God that's in you is not one of fear, and it's not one of timidity. See, the Spirit of God that is in you is a spirit of power, a spirit of love, a spirit of a sound, disciplined mind that lives on the inside of you. So the spirit of God that's in you is greater than he that is in the world. God's spirit alive on the inside of you is greater than anything you and I could ever face or deal with in life. And don't get me wrong, what we deal with and face in life, it can hit hard and it can be heavy and it can be hurtful, and it can be damaging, it can be traumatic, it has its real effects. But here's the hope you and I have in Christ Jesus, is that the Spirit of God, as long as we keep the Spirit of God alive in us, and we continue to keep going back to the source, 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 the true source, the source of hope, the source of life, the source of a faith that God gives us by His Spirit alive in us, we can carry on. And it's the Spirit of power, the Spirit of love, and it's a Spirit of self-discipline. 
the way the Holy Spirit can work in our life. And Paul's reminding Timothy, hey, you got a tough job, you got a tough life, you got to make tough decisions, you have some tough situations, whatever it is, Timothy, remember this, God is greater in you. He is greater in you. And he's saying, look, may you find the affirmation that you need in the God who is alive on the inside of you. As much as it's nice to have affirmation from others, and God works that way, but at the same time, we don't live for it from others because if we live for it from others, we're going to also be let down by it from others. And that's the tough part about being human, being flesh and bone, being like a, being that way. But Paul reminds us, find your affirmation in the God who lives in you. And I look at it this way, I'm going to give you seven, seven names of God that reflect his character, reflect who he is, reflect what he can do, and shows the awesomeness and the closeness of our God. I think Paul, you could say Paul would be saying to Timothy and to us today, that may you find affirmation in the God who lives in you, who is also known as Jehovah Jireh, depicted in Genesis 22. Look at this with me on the screen. Genesis 22:14 says, Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The God who lives in you is also the God known as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who will provide for you. And so Paul reminding Timothy and reminding us that may we be affirmed in the God who actually can and will provide for our needs. That whatever it is we need, we must trust in the name of our God. That we must find that affirmation in the God who lives in us and to show and that we can be we can see and we can know that God shows himself as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who will provide. I don't, I don't know about everybody, but I know some stories in our church, but we still have some stories that we could tell the way God provided for us in a certain need that really makes no sense. Really has, if you tell it, it's like, that's crazy. And that makes no sense. How in the world can, can that get to you that way? It's the work of God. When we trust God, I'm not saying we don't ever go through situations where we don't have a need. But what I am saying is that if we will trust the Lord, He will always meet our needs. Some way, somehow, some capacity. He has a way of working. And Paul reminding Timothy and reminding us, hey, remember who your source is. Remember who your provider is. It is the Lord your God. And then in, there's another name of God, Jehovah Rapha, found and derived for the first time in Exodus 15, verse 26. Look at it with me in, on the screen. It says, God was speaking back to Moses to tell the people. He said, 
If you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His sight, obeying His commands and keeping all His decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases that I sent on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. For the first time, again, God is revealing Himself, revealing an aspect of His attribute to His people, that I am the Lord who heals. And Paul reminding Timothy and reminding us today, may we be affirmed in the God who heals spirit, soul, and body. May we be reminded, God God letting us know for the very first time in Scripture, hey, I want you to know, I am the one who heals. I am the one who can heal you. I am the one who can heal you from the inside out, from the outside in. And through all, all the promises and through, through all the different prophecies through Isaiah and others and into the New Testament, we see that in Christ Jesus, by His stripes, not only are we forgiven, but by His blood we are also healed. And we can lay claim to that and we can find our affirmation in that. Then God, God shows us another part of Himself, Jehovah Raha. And again, I, I may not pronounce all of these in the most eloquent and accurate way. But it's a psalm of David, Psalm 23, the psalm of David, where he says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. God, uh, Paul reminding Timothy and reminding us, find your affirmation in the God who is your shepherd, the one who cares for you, the one who leads your life. That I know we, if you're like me, you like to know where we're going, like to know where you're headed before you go somewhere. You like to know how long it's going to take. You like to know which road you're going to go on. You like to know how many stops you plan to make. All of that stuff. And, 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 and sometimes, here's, here's something the Lord just revealed to me not long ago. Just in the last couple of weeks, he said, you may be in charge, but I am in control. Mic drop. Because we're still responsible for whatever area of domain we have been given and that we have said yes to. But God is the one who is in control. Meaning we cannot make outcomes be the way we want them to be all the time. But we have to trust that whatever it is and however it's going, that if God really is in control, He's going to bring about the right outcome in the right way, at the right time, according to what he has planned. Amen? And that can be hard for us to, to, to really, truly, you know, just settle down into, trust in, all of that stuff. But David prayed that prayer, goes on in that prayer, and he starts it off with, the Lord is my shepherd. And for the first time we see God introducing himself to David and to the people and to us. He is our shepherd. He will care for me. He will lead me to green pastures. He will take me to the quiet, still waters. He will restore my soul. And when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, His rod and His staff will comfort me, that I will fear no evil, that I won't live my life afraid, even though I live life afraid. But I live afraid because recognizing I'm trying to be in control. And when I'm not in control, God's the one that I have to look to, knowing that I'm really not ultimately, I may may be in charge, but he's in control. And David shows us 
the Lord is our shepherd. And Paul reminding Timothy, you might be a pastor, Timothy, but you got to remember first you have a chief shepherd. And you need to make sure you find your affirmation in how he wants to lead your life and how he wants to care for you. And as he does that, you will see firsthand. And you can find affirmation in that. Another one, Jehovah Shammah. Introduced in Ezekiel chapter 48 at a time when They had gone in, in, in the destruction of, of, uh, of Jerusalem and they were in captivity to Babylon and Ezekiel the prophet gets a vision of what it can be like, what God is going to do, the restoration and the redeeming work that God will bring from a life of destruction and demise, how God will raise up and rebuild and restore. And he says this, In verse 35 of Ezekiel 48, look on the screen with me. It says, the distance around the entire city, talking about the city of Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, will be six miles. And from that day, the name of that city will be called the Lord is there. That's what Jehovah Shema means, the Lord is there. And here's what it goes on to mean. It says, may you be affirmed in the God who hasn't abandoned you in your trial. For he is there to restore you and to give you a new beginning. The Lord is there. And that's been asked, and we have probably thought it, where was God in the midst of this situation? Was he, where was he? Why did not, why did not, why didn't he stop that? Why didn't he put a halt to that? And I know that can be hard for us to digest and kind of reconcile, but it, God's people gone through captivity and gone through destruction. And God gives this Ezekiel this vision and this hope and this word that, hey, there will be a new city. It will be restored. It will be rebuilt. And it will be better than it was before. Because the Lord is there in the midst of our trial. The Lord walks with us in the midst of our turmoil. The Lord is there, and when He's there, He will take time, and He will bring about a a place of restoration and a place of a new beginning. Maybe it's a a fractured relationship, a breach in companionship, or maybe it's the loss in life, or maybe it, it is just an overwhelming feeling where you just are feeling so down and so trapped, and you wonder, man, can God bring new out of all of this old in my life? And I want to tell you today, yes, in Christ Jesus, He specializes in resurrection. He specializes in redemption. It sucks that we have to walk through some of those things. It's awful that we have to walk through some of those things. But if we will hold Him and keep Him and let Him carry us and lead us, He will show us that He is there, the Lord who is there in the midst of our trial. And He will rebuild, He will restore, and He will bring forth a brand new beginning. Paul saying this from prison. Paul reminding Timothy, this is the God who lives in you. Paul knows Hebrew. He knew all of these things, these character names of God. He knew that he was Jehovah Shema. He knew that God was in the midst of his trial in the place where he was at. But here he is telling Timothy, you need to have affirmation, not in your circumstance, not in how good it is, not in any of that, but have affirmation in the God who is there with you in the midst of your trial and see what he can do with that. Amen.
And then another one, Jehovah Sidkenu. It's introduced in Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, the weeping prophet Jeremiah, lived at a time just prior to all of the uh, exile times and seasons of Israel. And he, he says this, In that day Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety, and this will be its name. The Lord is our righteousness. And that's what Jehovah Sidkenu means. The Lord our righteousness. And here's what it goes on to mean. It means to make straight. So may you be affirmed in the God who makes your crooked paths straight by vindicating you and giving you victory. Anybody ever experienced some crooked crooked moments in life? Some topsy-turvy lanes? Some paths that you thought, man, surely this is a solid place. And then boom, the bottom drops out. Out of nowhere, this happens. Around the corner, boom, blindsided, that came up. Crooked paths in life. But if we will hold on to the faithful shepherd, the Lord, Jehovah Sidkenu, he is the Lord, our righteousness, he will always make it right. He will always make it right. He will always bring it straight. He will make our crooked paths come out the way they need to. And he has a way of vindicating. He has a way of making it right. And he can do that. And Paul reminding Timothy, find your affirmation in this God who lives in you. The Lord, your righteousness. And then number six is Jehovah Shalom. Most of us might, that might sound familiar to us. Shalom in your home. Peace. Introduced in Judges chapter 6 to Gideon. And here's the thing, Gideon and, 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 and the Lord's people were just being antagonized and taken advantage of and just ripped apart and stolen from. From the enemy. Gideon was in a wine press threshing wheat. Wine press threshing wheat because he was scared and afraid, and they were trying to keep what little harvest they had for fear of it all being stolen and taken from them. And and God shows up to Gideon and he says, I've called you, mighty man of valor, to rise up and to take charge and to do something about the enemy that you're facing. And Gideon is like, what, bro, you talking to me? I'm like the smallest and from the weakest clan. Are you sure you called the right Gideon? Is there not another one around? Are you sure? And through some back and forth, Gideon with the angel of God, and he's like, puts these testers out there. If that's really you, Lord, then okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. And he puts these testers, these litmus tests out there for, for God to show himself faithful to Gideon. And here's what happens. Gideon finds out in this moment, in the midst of his, this chaotic place of life, this place that uh, you know, has so much strife going on, so much turmoil, so much you know, confusion, confusion that's happening, he finds that, this is the Lord of peace. It says, And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there. And he named it Yahweh Shalom, Jehovah Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. And the altar actually remains to this day. So Gideon found out his affirmation in the God of peace, even in the midst of his chaotic, stressful, 
turmoil season of life where inwardly he's, he was probably, he was scared, he was hiding. He was afraid. He didn't think he could do anything. He didn't think he had the goods on the inside of him. He didn't think he had what it took to actually do something, to take the charge, to take charge, to take the lead or any of that stuff. But he found out. He got alone with God and he found out he is the God of peace. Peace is not the absence of, of, of storms or, or problems. The supernatural peace of God, the shalom of God, is being able to stay steady, to stay strong, even in the midst of the chaos and the strife and the issues at hand. And Gideon found this out. And Paul reminding Timothy, Timothy, you're going to deal with some stress. You're going to deal with some issues. You're going to deal with some things that's going to upset your stomach. You're going to get sick, and it's, you're going to feel bad, and you're going to go through some things. But I'm reminding you today, find your affirmation in Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. That you can still carry on, you can still function, you can still be who you need to be in the midst of chaos, the Lord of peace. And then lastly, Jehovah Nisi. Introduced in Exodus chapter 17. This is at a time where Moses sends Joshua and the army of Israel to fight against the Amalekites, and as long as Moses was holding his arms up with the staff of God in his hands, it said that Israel would, be, would win. But it got, a point to a time, it got to a place where the battle was going on and going on, that he got tired and his arms began to fail. And his friends came and set him on a rock and lifted his arms up and held them up so that the banner of God, the, the staff of God, could be held up and ultimately Joshua and the army of Israel won that victory. And here's what it says about Moses, what he did. He said, Moses built an altar, and he named it Yahweh Nisi, Jehovah Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. The Lord is my banner. So may you be affirmed in the God who is your banner, for you to be able to look up to and know that he is the God who is for you and not against you. When nations would go to war and they would go to battle, they would have their, their flag held up. There would be a person responsible to hold that flag up in front of them. That in the midst of their battle, while they're fighting, while they're having all these galactic sword battles and all of these things going on, stones are being thrown, spears are being speared, all of these things, arrows are flying. As long as they could see that their flag was still up there, and they would, that, those soldiers could look up and see, okay, we sh- the flag's still up. That means we still got strength. We still got a future. We still got a way to make this happen. And that is what God was telling um, Moses and the children of Israel that day. As long as your banner is lifted up, the banner of the Lord, as long as you look to Him, as long as you seek Him, as long as you will keep your eyes on Him and keep your eyes on the prize, keep your eyes on Jesus, keep your eyes on the Lord and don't get distracted and turned around by all the chaos and the strife and the battles of life that you go through. Don't let those become bigger than the God you serve, but make yourself look up to the Lord from where your help comes from and make yourself realize and see and believe and have hope that God has not abandoned you, God has not left you, God has not forsaken you, that he sees you right where you are. He is the Lord, your banner. And as long as you will look to him, you will be able to function. You will be able to carry on. You will begin. You will be able to walk in victory 
and be reminded that he is the God who is for you and he is not against you. That he hasn't tucked away. He's not scared. He hasn't ran away in fear. He, nothing freaks him out. Nothing gets the best of our God. We got to remember that we are blood bought by the, by the blood of Christ Jesus. That we belong to the King of Kings. We belong to the Lord of Lords. We belong to the one who breathed and life came into existence. We are the one who belongs. We are the one who belongs to the one who spoke and light came on the scene. We are the one who took his finger and carved out the ocean and said, it can only come this far. We are the ones who believe that God looked at the mountains and did like this and there it was, beautiful. The Alps were created. The the Rocky Mountains were created. All of these things were spoken by the God who created life. And on the sixth day, he said, let's make man and woman in my image, in our likeness. And he breathed life into into the soul that he created. And man became a living being. And God stepped back and said, oh, that's so good. I am pleased. Don't you believe that the God who created you is also the God who will sustain you? The God who willed you into existence, breathed you into existence, who said you are fearfully and wonderfully made in the womb of your mother. That God who allowed you to breathe life, the God who allowed you to cry for the first time, the God who allowed you to be helpless until your mom could do something or your dad could do something, the God who stuck with you when you might have been abandoned by a relative or a parent and someone else had to take you in. Don't you know that the God who oversaw all of that process has painted and as chaotic as it was he is the God who is the banner over your life and all this time he's saying if you will just keep looking up to me I will keep taking care of you I will keep looking after you and you will so you will know what it's like to taste victory in your life and not defeat there's somebody here today either in in person or online I don't know but you feel defeated you feel defeated And you feel like no matter what, I can't get a win. I can't seem to get a W. I can't seem to to taste what it's like to have victory in my life. The Lord wants to encourage you today. He sees you. He knows you. And he's saying, quit looking within. Quit trying to look and find around you. Quit thinking that, hey, if this situation will just turn around, I'll be happy. Because here's what happens. What if that situation really never turns around? Then you leave yourself not being truly fulfilled. Because you were putting your faith in a contextual situation. And God's saying, look, I want to move in that situation. I want to move in your life. But you've got to look to me. Let me in. Let me in. And then Paul ends his letter to Timothy. He says this. He says, Timothy, as as far as my life goes, I'm being poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is close. He said, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. What I'm telling you, Timothy, I I have been doing. And I want you to also get to this place 
of being able to say the same. Oh, I want you to get to the place, Timothy, where at the end of your life you can say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He says, and, as, and now the prize awaits me, a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And here it is. And the prize is not just for me, but it's also for all those who eagerly look forward to Christ's return. Timothy, I know what it's like to be betrayed. I know what it's like to be let down. I know what it's like to be abandoned. I know what it's like to be told, I don't want you. You're not welcome here. You're not necessary here. I know what it's like to come up against conflict and not really win in the way I thought I should win. Timothy, I know what it's like to be misunderstood. Timothy, I know what it's like to give your heart, soul, mind, and strength to the call of God and people around you don't appreciate it. Timothy, I know what it's like. Maybe you could translate that to, I know what it's like to raise a child for them to only go the opposite way that I raised them. I know what it's like to watch a loved one pass away. I know what it's like to have your financial rug ripped out right from underneath you. I know what it's like to get a diagnosis that scares you. I know what it's like. But he lets him know the Lord never abandoned me. The Lord stood with me. The Lord saw me through and he will bring me safely into his kingdom. The encouragement for us today is, church, we live in a scary world. We live in a crazy world. Some people might call it cray-cray. We live in a time where there are not, there's not a lot of certainties. have to make sure, hey, we're going to be a part of the ones who don't fall away in the last days. And we got to know we're finding our affirmation in the Lord who is with us, in the Lord who will provide for us. It is the Lord who will give me peace. It is the Lord who will care for me. It is the Lord who is there for me. It is the Lord I look up to and see my salvation comes from Him and Him alone. May we find our affirmation in the God who is alive on the inside of us. And keep that fire stirred. Keep the flame of the inner fire of God stoked and keep it burning. Saints of God, don't let situations quench the fire of God on the inside of you. Let me tell you this. I need you. My family needs you. And the people all around you need you. 
there are people in your path that need your life and they need to feel the warmth of the fire of God that's inside of you. You have it. It's there. And today, some may feel like it's not burning very much. It's a little bitty coal and it's almost gone out. The Lord wants to remind you, encourage you, get close to Him. That's why we carve out these 21 days of prayer and fasting. I told someone this morning, it's just January, but it feels like it's been four months already. Somebody asked me how life's going this morning. I said, tiring. It's just January 23rd. 14 days into the 21 days of prayer and fast. So I want to encourage you. Let's make these next seven days the best we can. Maximize these seven days. Do what you got to do to get closer to the Lord. Even though in your mind you might feel distant, in your heart you might feel so far, do what you got to do to talk to Him. Spend some time with Him. Open His Word. Review these scriptures, these seven character names of God. Do what you got to do. We have devotional prepared for you. It's in print. You can pick one up at the back. Go online, nlcj.org, and it's there. You can download it on your phone. And lastly, I want to tell you, I just felt impressed. We've got these, what we call anointed prayer cloths. These are cloths that have been anointed with anointing oil and prayed over. And uh, we want to tell you as you leave today, what they're, basically, let me just say this, try to make it as plain as I can. These are just a cloth of reminder that, hey, pastors of this church, leaders of this church prayed and believed that, hey, as you hold these, keep these, put them in your your pillow, in your Bible, in your shoe, whatever. Just a reminder. You can trust God. You can trust God who is in you. If you need four of them, take four of them. I don't care. There's a bunch here. Take what you need and you know you won't throw away. But as we dismiss here shortly, then just come up and get one as a reminder the Lord is faithful I know that much I don't know a whole lot I think I do, I don't but I know this God's faithful I I, I know he, He doesn't make a mistake and I know that when He saves, He saves to the uttermost he moves, there's no doubt he moves. Sometimes it's a strong, powerful wind. Sometimes it's just a gentle, still, small voice. But I'll take either one. Wherever I'm at in life, whatever I need. If I need the strong wind, boom. If I need the still, small voice, boom. Whatever it is, God is faithful. I could keep preaching, but I need to turn it over. Pastor Lindsay, come close us out today.